Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Flourish podcast. I'm your host, Nicolette. <laughs> and I'm Jules. <laughs> Sometimes we have to like throw a little flair into little it. Pizzazz. Sometimes we just only say welcome back to Flourish. I know. Today it's Flourish podcast. The whole thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we're really excited for you guys today. We have a special guest. Leah is our guest today. She is an ex-marine and she um is going to be talking about being a woman in the military um and a lot about sexual trauma Mm -hmm. um mental health health, how she's really turned her life into something super beautiful Mm -hmm. um after all that she has been through we do want to give a bit of a disclaimer yes so we just need you guys to know, listener discretion advised mm-hmm. for, we'll be talking a bit about suicide, mm-hmm. sexual assault, and... There is some language. Yes. If you have ears that, sensitive you know, ears. don't want to hear the language. But it's a very emotional episode. Very There's a lot that we learned mm-hmm. and that we know a lot of you could learn from yes. and very relatable for some leah was so brave and in sharing her story and we really appreciate all of our guests who come on and are so open and vulnerable and willing to share their story to help other people who can hopefully relate yes so So let's meet leah Thank you for being here with us. Hi. <laughs> okay, so today we just want to talk about how um, we want to bring light to very, very few important things that have happened in your life and that are just relevant to a lot of people in our world right now. Mm-hmm. Um, some of those things are like what it really looks like for those fighting for our country, especially as a female dealing with trauma after deployment like therapy, mental health, you know, giving people hope who have not specifically served our country, but um, every person out there that has experienced some sort of trauma, pain, death, depression, um, all those things, you just radiate all the type of hope and faith that we need, you know, Mm -hmm. to have the strength to get through everything. (laughs) So first, tell us a little bit about who you are just in general. Okay, well, <laughs> um, I just want to start by saying that it's really important to me that everyone knows there's so much more to me than the bad things that have happened to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there's a lot of things I could talk about um, that would just maybe blow people's minds, but um, there's a lot of really good things that have happened to me as well that have really shaped me into who I am today. Um, and a lot of good people in my life. So, um, I was a United States Marine. It's probably one of the things that I'm most proud of in my life. Um, simply because who's done that? Um, less than 1% of the population. Yes. Um, they say in the Marine Corps, the few, the proud, and then you add in female Marines and it's the fewer and the prouder. Um, I love that that too. Me too. Mm -hmm. So I wear that badge very proudly. Um, and I own it and 
I use it as part of my identity. So um, whenever I think about, you know, things that really are important to me, I always go back to the Marine Corps, Um, no matter how hard anything was or how difficult that climb was. I, I really am just ecstatic that I was able to do that and serve my country. Yes. That's amazing. Thank you. Unreal. Yeah. So yeah. Can you tell us exactly what a Marine does? For those of us who are not... Because I genuinely don't yeah. know. Honestly, the difference between like the SEALs, the Marines... Yes, the Army. The, the and Navy, I know that's like, that's so bad of us that we don't know. But I just want to know. know like a general... Like what do, what do they do? What do Marines do? Yeah, that's... um Wow, there's like a lot of ambiguity within that. <laughs> so let's unpack that. Um, <laughs> there's a lot. Uh, there's four branches in the military. So there's the Army, um, there's the Navy, and then there's the Air Force, and then the Marine Corps. Um, and some even include the Coast Guard in there. So there is this like unmarked competition in between branches, though, um, and it's healthy competition, right? Like we make fun of each other, but we're all here protecting the USA. Yes. Um, same, doing goal. A, same, same goal. Same goal. Yeah. Same vision. Same <laughs> yes. Um, and so for the Marine Corps, we're actually a branch of the Navy. Um, we were branched off. We were born in 1775 in a bar. Um, so it's pretty okay, telling. Yeah. Yeah. Ton Tavern. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Pretty interesting. Um, very telling as to what type of people are in the Marines. We were born in a bar where a bunch of rowdy, just guys and gals. Um, but we do many things. I will say, um, there's certain divisions of the military that are not in all branches. For instance, the medical side is only in the Navy and the army. Mm, Um, so the Marine Corps does not have any type of medical, um, jobs that's actually supported by the navy um what one does in the marine corps is really not your decision um you go into the the marine corps into the military with an asvab score and you're put into a bracket and you're told what your job will be oh okay yes Asbrav score. I'm sorry. Is an Asbrav score? Asbab. I'm sorry. Asbab. Uh, yes. A S B A B. This is really showing how little. Yes. I know. No, this is so good I'm, for us. I'm That's really okay. Glad that you're here. Yeah. So, what is this score? Like, how do you get this score? So, when you go to sign up for the military, it's kind of like an ACT or okay. an SAT score. Um, you go and take a six-hour test. Oh no! Um, on all different things, actually. So it's like math, science. Um, there's like anatomy questions. There's writing questions. There's reading questions. Okay. There's mechanical questions. Um, and they're just trying to determine where your knowledge base is, so that they can put you into this category. Okay. Um, and so once you get that, you're like, okay, this is where I'll be. But there could be like. 57 different jobs that are in that category. Oh, wow. Um, and so when I joined the military back in 2011, um, they were just opening up the jobs to women. So prior to that, women were holding like basic level jobs in the military. And now they're saying, we don't care who goes to combat. You can be a girl or a boy we don't care what job it is. So mm-hmm. they were just opening that up. So very exciting time yeah, to yeah. be joining the military really cool as a woman. Time. Absolutely. Um, and I had a pretty decent ASVAB score. 
Um, school's never been my strong school. So like, I'm not good at that stuff, but I did pretty well. And, um, I remember my recruiter said, you're probably going to drive trucks or like some big equipment. And he's like, and it's going to be so badass. And I was like, yes, (laughs) cool. Love that for me. It's going to be awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, and I did not do that. (laughs) No, no. I did not. Um, I ended up becoming a heavy equipment operator, though, so kind of similar. Okay. Um, and Sounds scarier. I didn't even know how to change the oil in my car, so like, <gasps> no. What was I doing? Uh-huh. Um, Operating heavy machinery. Yeah, it was like forklifts, dozers, you know, no. just big yes. pieces of equipment, and I just was determined that I was not going to fail, so I was like, I will figure out how to do this, and... Yes. No one will know that I don't even know where the oil is uh-huh. in my car. Uh-huh. <laughs> Truly. Yep. Okay. So That's you were amazing. how you joined in 2011, but how old were you? Um, so I was 19 and oh. I joined. <sighs> so little. Yes. Yeah. Truly. Like I feel like, like a, a child. baby, like an actual baby. Um, and I joined at a very interesting turn of events, I got in a car accident outside of the recruiting station. No. And I what? ran in there for help because my cell phone was dead. And I was at this pivotal moment in my life where I was like, I knew I always wanted to serve. I knew I really? always wanted to be a part of something bigger. And I knew like I was destined for great things. I just knew that about That's myself. Cool. Um And when I was little, I even saw the Marines on TV and my name's Leah Marlene. And I told my dad, I'm going to join the Marlenes because they named them after me. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I know. It's actually like super adorable. That is goosebumps. Yes, same. I have the chills. Because we're, because I'm cute. (laughs) Yes, you are. (laughs) So So you knew from from a young age that you wanted to serve in the military. Oh, absolutely. I love I love, love, love serving other people, truly. Like, that's a passion of mine. Um, And so I got in this car accident. I ran in there, and my cell phone was dead, and I was just like, I need help. And they're like, well, you came to the right place. (laughs) No. And they're like, "You do you want to join the Marine Corps? And I just remember, like, thinking about my life and just realizing, like, I was at this dead end. And I was like yeah actually I do and I'm like and can I leave like tomorrow (gasps) stop no lie and so he like Like set me easy decision for you 100% but that's the kind of person I am Uh I'm like I'm all in or I'm all out like Uh I don't I don't half-ass anything Uh um and so I was like yeah like let's do this and where do I sign um, and he's like, well, it's kind of a process. Like, hold on. He's like, this is kind of a big deal. He's like, pump the brakes, lady. Um, as your car is. Yeah, as your car is wrecked in the street. <laughs> Truly, though, it really was like uh, outside no. broken down. Um, and my boyfriend at the time was expecting me home. And I was no, not. Just not coming home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a whole other story. Doing, doing bigger but, things. Yeah. So I took my ASVAB. I scored well. And then I left um, two weeks later. No. Oh, like you're very kidding. soon. Yeah. Like two weeks after my 19th like birthday. As soon as you could. Yes. Wow. wow. Um, I remember going home and telling, like going to my parents' house because I didn't live with them at the time. And I was like, hey, so did a thing. Um, joined the Marine Corps and I leave in two weeks and my dad folded up the newspaper and looked at me and said, 
I knew you would. <gasps> Wait. And my mom said, oh my gosh, you're going to die. <gasps> so very different reaction. Yes. Oh, that's very um, cute of your dad. That's sweet. It yes. was. Yeah. It's a big moment. And so I left after that. Wow. Yeah. Okay. We want we want to focus a lot on just being a female in mm-hmm. the Marines or in, in the military. In the military. Because I, I personally only know you as someone in my life that has is a yeah. female that has served. But I also know it's not common, correct? Correct, yes. And so I don't know the stats, but yeah. there's definitely very few women in the military, let alone the Marine Corps. Yeah. Um, but there's, there's so much to say, but I will say <laughs> the number one thing is I, I think when you join, you have a lot of like, preconceived notions about what will happen um and for me especially you know I went to boot camp in Paris Island South Carolina and it was with all women so when I'm in there with all these women I think you know wow we're all strong we're Mm -hmm. independent we're doing great things um but then after boot camp you get mixed in with all these men and I remember that when I went to what's, we call it the fleet. So when okay. you hit the fleet um, and you get assigned to your unit um, and you've been through all your training, I mean, this is after months and months of training and education and going through my schooling. Um, I remember showing up to go to school for my job and the staff sergeant leading the school saw me and he goes, nope. He's what? like, you're in the wrong place. No way. And yeah, and because there was no girls in that school. No. Um so they you're just the, you're the opened only it up. one. No, there was me and one other. Okay. Um, and we showed up and he goes, Nope, you're in the wrong place. And I was like, No, our orders clearly state we belong here. And he was like, Absolutely not. He's like, We need to fix this. We don't no. we don't have we don't have uh, girls here. We don't have buns because, you know, we have the buns. The low bun, yeah. Um, and I remember just thinking, oh, my God, what is going to happen to me? Yeah. Truly. Um, I'm in a very, like, new place. I've never lived here. I have all my, literally everything I own, which is two big rummy sacks full of clothes wow. and my uniforms. And, like, that's it. I was dropped off here. Um. How scary. Terrifying. Really? Yes. Like scarier than boot camp. Yeah. Like, boot camp was hard. I'm sure. You have all these girls with you and you're like, we're in this together. Yeah. But like that, that was scary. Yeah. That was, was really that, scary. Was that the first time, do you feel like when you were in the military that you felt like you were treated maybe differently or less being a woman? Like your very you first that experience. Was Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. I think that... It was this aha moment, like, oh my gosh, this is real now. Mm-hmm. Um, almost like, because boot camp was hard. You know, you got there and it was scary. And totally. there's a lot of bad things that I went through there. But um, when you get to a, like, it was like expected there, you know, I knew boot yeah, camp was going to be hard. sounds hard. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Like just the name. Mm-hmm. But when you get to a place and you're supposed to be like, you made it, like I'm a Marine now. I've mm-hmm. earned my title. I've earned my way. And now I'm starting over again with someone because they already think less of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was my first um, real experience with that. And then as time went on, 
um, I just felt like in school, all the men were treated so superior to me. And maybe because a lot of them knew stuff about mechanics with heavy equipment and they had a bigger knowledge base, but it was almost like I had to work twice as hard to get the same thing. Um, and I remember uniform inspections came around and so we would get our uniforms inspected and all the men stood up and they were standing in a line and our staff sergeant went through and he, you know, he measured to make sure their ties were all the same length and their ribbons were straight and et cetera. And then he came to me and he took one look at me and he goes, I don't know. And walked away. What? And I was like, well, you're creating this environment where all these men are going to be mad because I didn't get judged as harshly as them. Totally. And also, you clearly don't care about me. And it's just very isolating. Um, and because of that, you'll hear comments of men under their breath like, of course. And um, oh, it's just because the tits gets looked over and we're, really? we get cr- uh, judged and criticized and... You know, in a in a way, like I totally relate. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're mm-hmm. right. Like mm-hmm. you had the worst end of this, but really, no, because I had to then work even harder to be noticed, overcompensate. Yeah, like yeah. overcompensate everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end of it, we all got our certificates and our licensures and everything, getting ready to go into you know the big wide Marine Corps and get our unit. Um, and I actually got. Um, the highest score on one of our testing for a license. Hmm. And I was so proud of it. Like, I just, I really wanted to flaunt it. Um, And I feel like I couldn't because they actually told me that it was rigged and they probably just had to give me a higher score to show that they didn't like treat the female differently. Oh my gosh. And so like invalidated and just totally demoralized my entire (laughs) success and like platform of happiness. In one second. Truly. Yeah. And I'm like, this is so like, who's going to cheer me on? Because, and like, honestly, in that moment, I was like, Oh, it's just me. Like, mm-hmm. it's just me. Mm-hmm. So that's crazy. And women in, in the military in general, you hear a lot about, um, them being like sexually assaulted and because it's so male based, it's like, that's all, a lot of what you hear is that these women get treated poorly, like rape and abuse verbally, emotionally, So was that something that from the very beginning did, did you ever, did you feel fearful? And like, are you, what are your living conditions? Are you like in the same sleeping arrangements with men or are you, because you're a female, are you not sleeping with in the same room as men? So... You're not sleeping in the same room, um, but we are in the same barracks. So think of like um, an apartment. We're all okay. in like our own apartments. Um, when I got to my unit, there was, you know, I was, it was me and one other girl. Um, and so we naturally were supposed to be roommates, but we actually ended up having our own rooms for a while, which was kind of nice. Um, and again, looks like we're being favored and treated right. better, mm-hmm. um, which was hard. Less of you. 
Yeah, there just yeah. was. And some of these men are like stacked three to four to a room. Wow. Um, on bunk beds and everything. And um, so in a way, I could see how that'd be frustrating, but also like what a blessing because you now have like friends mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like roommates and you guys share in moments together. And um, we don't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We don't get that. Um, You're kind of on your own. Truly, yeah. Like it's it's like being just it's so isolating. Mm-hmm. Um and then not to mention when I showed up, um the first thing I told was told was I needed to keep my panties on and not distract what? other male marines um and make sure that I essentially keep my legs closed. Um hmm. and like your leaders tell you this? Correct. In like <laughs> open settings in How front of people oh that's embarrassing to be yes. like called out yes like that and <laughs> like it's not even so many ways it's not even just that though like it it happens in every aspect I mean there's so many stories but I remember so vividly and I, I tell this story to a lot of people but um I got put on birth control when I was in boot camp there was no option you're going on birth control Wow. That's it. Okay. Pick which one you want. Um, and I picked, you know, the next planon, the one that goes in your arm because mm-hmm. it just lasts a while. It seemed easy. And it, they require that you go and get um, STD tested every three months. And I'm sure they do that because they don't think people are being responsible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just did it because I was told. And I remember going to our medical um, department or our medical building to get my testing done. And I walked in after I got to my unit and I said, I need this test. Um, I was told I have to get it. And it was in a room full, full of men. And um, the doc came out, the doc being a corpsman from the Navy, who's part of the Marine Corps. And he said, um, you need to learn to be more responsible sexually. He's like, and not sleep around because you're wasting the government's money by getting all these tests done. And he's like, and it's embarrassing. You should be embarrassed of yourself in front of everyone. This is in a full room. Like 20 to 30 men sitting, waiting on other medical appointments. And there was actual like laughter. (gasps) And I remember thinking... I'm like, I imagine myself when you're public speaking and you're like naked, you know, yes. that dream. Yeah, yeah. Yes. You show up and you're like, mm-hmm. I'm naked and everyone's looking at me. I felt so violated and just like humiliated, um, just absolutely mortified. And I left there just like, do not cry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do not cry. Yep. Just leave. Wait and, till you get home. Yeah. This is literally an order you had to go do. You had to go take an std test like they just they wanted you to be safe and they knew like if we like make you do this you will Uh um and i wasn't even sleeping with anyone or anything so it was just like all these things together and almost like i'm trying to pass this test and i'm failing miserably yeah um so there was definitely multiple instances like that throughout um, a series of events that have happened and the living conditions are that you're all facing in together it's a square and there's a duty hut in the middle and then think of like the apartments all the doors are facing in but at nighttime you can go to other people's rooms okay. you can kind of roam around there's parties there's ruckus 
Um, It's distracting. And really how much can one duty hut or one person on duty see? Um, Because it's it's a lot. There's a lot of Marines just crawling all over and (laughs) having fun. Mm -hmm. So that's where like rate trouble happens or trouble within that can happen right because you can sneak around and no one's watching if someone's disrespecting you're saying there's one person on duty that's like at a time that's like watching watching yeah everyone quote unquote we all we all rotate who's on duty okay you're on duty for 24 hours and you're watching for any trouble or signs of problems um and you know, sometimes your friends are on duty, so uh, they don't they don't say anything. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, they see someone under 21 bringing in beer and it's kind of like look the other way. And then there's hard asses who are like, I'm going to get everyone in yeah. trouble. Mm-hmm. They call those blue falcons, um, which is another like name for that. Okay. So there, it's it's interesting, though, because no matter what, um you can get away with murder if you wanted to. I mean, okay. like you could do whatever you wanted. Um, I would say that because of the t- statistics, one in um, six women in the military will be raped. Wow. That is a very wow. real statistic. Um, and it, it's important to know that rape is not what we think it is. Um, we have this idea that rape is a man holding you down in a dark alley somewhere Mm -hmm. against your will and you're screaming and kicking and he's forcing yourself on himself on you. Um, realistically, that is not how, that is not what rape is. Um, if you ask any woman who's been a, a woman or a man who's been a victim to sexual trauma, almost always none of their stories end up that that way i don't know how many dark alleys y'all are walking down but there's (laughs) there's not a lot right um so you know rape is such a such a big word um and i think when we think of that in our minds and we have these ideas like this is what it is um we actually don't really recognize rape as well Mm -hmm. we don't see it um but it's you know, someone who just doesn't want to have sex and you're having sex with them. Um, it's why they've classified getting drunk and having sex with that person is wrong because yeah. they're not in their right mind. Mm-hmm. Um, the issue is, is again, I'm the only girl. Mm-hmm. So there's not many options, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you go outside your unit, there's plenty in certain ones. Um, and there were other girls around. I wasn't just the only one in the barracks or the only one ever. Um, but it's very limited. Um, and I'm a pretty girl. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like to think. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, you are. Yes. I feel confident <laughs> in myself. And um, I, you know, have curves. I have, I have a, mm-hmm. a face. I have a vagina. I have all mm-hmm. the equipment. Mm-hmm. Got all, all the parts. All the things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's kind of wild because people were really mean to me and would call me like names. Like, you know, they call me like a slut, even though they didn't know me, um, just to demean me, but then like would try to flirt with me later. Mm. Because that works. In private. <laughs> like that's how you get a girl. For sure. I mean, this happens like anywhere outside the military True. too. Right. Um, 
but right like, like the worst approach tactic. yeah <laughs> i'm gonna be really mean to you but i like you mm-hmm. uh-huh um and it was not appealing no <laughs> um but i remember wanting to make friends so bad um and wanting to be liked and wanting to be accepted because i was already so closed off and segregated um, because of all these different instances. And so sometimes I would like almost allow them to joke about me like that and kind of write it off. And they'd be like, we're just kidding. And I'm like, yeah, totally. You probably are. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's always some truth to that. Mm-hmm. It always hurts mm-hmm. a little, no matter what. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then trying to hang out with some of these people uh, was always you know, an adventure because we always would drink or play video games or um, just kind of hang out and talk and just talk crap about each other. I don't know what it is, but that's how we did things. Um, but in 2012, I remember waking up one day, not in my barracks room, um, and I was I was completely naked. Um, and I remember the stuff on the walls. Um, and I remember because he walked out of the bathroom and I kind of looked down at myself and then I looked at him and I said, I didn't, I didn't want to do this. And he said, I know. Oh, well, what? Um, and so it was needless to say, um, something was wrong. I think you, you Mm -hmm. know, when something's wrong for sure. Um, and I just got my things and I just walked out and I went to my barracks room and I remember going to the shower and just scrubbing my body just scrubbing it until I was bleeding in some places Mm. and just feeling like I had to get this off my skin yeah um I had to get it off and it was absolutely awful um and I had to see him every day after that Mm. I mean at the chow hall um, around at work, um, walking to the store, you know, and, um, he was very mean to me, very mean, um, almost cruel at this point. And you think girls are mean, men really can get very deep. Um, and he ended up becoming one of my leaders and one of the people who ended up having to like supervise me. It's how the ranks oh work. Oh my gosh, of course. Um, and it was just terrible. Like I, I don't, I don't even have words to describe the feeling of the day that I sat in his promotion and I had to act like everything was okay. Mm-hmm. And then when he would treat me bad, I would go and talk to him about it. And I was like, you can't treat me this way. And he would tell me would basically like nothing happened between us. And you should probably never say that. Um, And the reason was because he later on um, got married to someone 
uh, like after before deployment and he had been married during that instance but she was living Mm. in another state Mm. so he was married he had sex with someone who didn't want to have sex with him um and then he became a leader of that person and was doing everything in his power to put me down so that i would never ever Mm -hmm. be strong enough to say something i truly truly believe that's why he did that um did he treat you poorly before the incident no just only after i don't think he didn't treat me good or bad i think he was pretty neutral neutral yeah Mm -hmm. i think he was just like whatever there's this girl um and i don't really remember that night at all um there's bits and pieces I've kind of explored over the years with working with a therapist and some of it comes together, but I do remember every single visceral second of when I woke up in that room. I could literally write a book about every inch of that room that I saw and I could tell you every single feeling I felt when he walked out of the room or out of the shower, and he told me he knew I didn't want to. And the fact that later on he tried to repeatedly cover it up for his own sake, whether it's his marriage or his image, I don't know. Mm. Um, But I think that he honestly tried to keep me down so low that I, I would never say anything. And that to me is worse. I think that's terrible. First of all, I'm so sorry that you had to experience something Mm -hmm. like that. Um, What, what would that even look like for, I mean, who could you have even like tattled on him to? That's like where I'm like, I'm like, I feel claustrophobic thinking about like who, because everyone's a male, it feels like. And so I feel like if you were to go tell anyone they just keep putting you down. Right. So, you know, they do a lot of training on sexual assault, actually. I think the military's very aware of what a bad problem it is. Um, but they assume we're like whistleblowers or liars. Um, but to go to someone, there are multiple instances where I thought about it. There are multiple instances where I was like, I could, I should tell. Um, and then all this doubt rushes in mm-hmm. and you're like, who would listen? Who would, mm-hmm. who would care about this? Mm-hmm. Um, and would they believe me? And I think if you read any sexual assault story, I mean, I've read hundreds cause I identify so well yeah, with some relate. of these women. Um, and every single one of them feels like no one would believe them. And everyone. Yeah, it what, is. What like a honestly like what a lonely thought. Like that just sounds so like you would just feel so alone. Like in a space where you can't tell anyone because no one would listen. Like that sounds right. so lonely to me and so scary. It is. And you're already away from all your family. I mean, I'm thousands of miles from my family Mm -hmm. um i have no friends i have little to nothing including hope at this point um and this is 
This is right before we're about to deploy to Afghanistan. Okay, that's what I was going to ask. Was this like, so this is at the beginning. Like you haven't even gotten into like. Deployment. Deployment and all that. Um, And, you know, there's, there's like this unwritten rule, right? Like when you get into the military, you have to really earn every step of the way. Mm -hmm. Every stripe, every ribbon, every mark has to be earned. Um, And so you're not really like part of the crew until you deploy. And I think it's because you go on deployment and you depend on each other to stay alive. Literally. Like you have to work together or people will be killed. Um, And so this was before that. And I was overlooked and treated as if I wasn't worthy. And so I believed that. I believed Mm -hmm. I wasn't worthy. I believed I didn't have a voice. And I was also very fearful at this point. I'm being called a slut. I'm being told that I'm always on my knees. I'm being told that Mm. all I'm good for is blow jobs and making babies. And if I go and tell someone about this instance, they're just going to assume that that's what I meant to do. And you're a slut. You're the one that probably did some provoked it. You've got, you've got the boobs. I've got the boobs. I've got the ass. And, um, (sighs) he's got a wife and he's a leader now. He's a, non-commissioned officer he's way higher than me he has way more people on his side and i have no one um and so who who would come forward and put themselves on the spotlight not to mention that if it were to go through that process i could lose my spot on deployment mm, and which yeah. would put me at a even ask, more disadvantage yeah i was gonna ask if that could like affect your job yes as well Yes. And no one would treat you well after that. No No one would treat you even slightly good. Um, And I just, I was so tired of being treated so, so bad. Um, I don't want to go through that anymore. I don't blame you. When um, you ended up deploying, well, first of all, when this incident happened, did you for a split second at all think like, I need to go home? And is that an option? I mean, can people just like go? Be done? No. You signed okay. a contract. I oh, mean, when people okay. say you signed your life away, you literally signed your life away. Okay. The only way that. you can leave is if you get in trouble and you get a dishonorable discharge mm-hmm. and that will follow you for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. It's like, think of like a sex offender or a felon. Yeah. They have that mark on their record. A dishonorable discharge is very similar. Hmm. And not to mention, like, I wasn't going to leave with my head in my hands. Like, I came here to this do something. This is what you wanted, yeah. yeah. This is this was my passion. This was my goal. Your and dream, yeah. I'll be damned if someone's going to take that away from me right. just because he couldn't keep his dick in his pants. Mm-hmm. Right. Simple as that. Um, Good for you. That's so brave. Oh. <laughs> but really, I'm not. I'm not. I couldn't do t- that. I'm not that I'm tough. already, like, yeah. so anxious thinking mm-hmm. about all this. I would have called my mom. <laughs> and I would have, you know, but really. Yeah. I'm yeah. not, I'm nowhere near as brave as you so are. So this, so you, you have this incident and then you leave, did you say a few weeks later is when you were deployed? So we deployed a few months later. We went through some trainings. You go through pre-deployment training. We went to like California, practice out there in the desert. And then you go through a few other trainings and then you deploy. Um, and honestly, when I deployed, I was so excited 
I like that sounds crazy, but uh-huh. I was so excited. I was like, oh my gosh, it's like the movies. We're going to war. I have a gun. Like life is crazy. And like this is what I was made to do. This is why I joined. Like, dang it, I love America. This is why we have people like That's you. why we need you. Yes, I'm serious. <laughs> So, I mean, I remember because I also had like a pink pillowcase. I took my pillow because um, I heard there's no pillows in Afghanistan. Oh. And I took my pillow. Another reason. <laughs> and pink polka dots. And I remember no. I took a picture before deployment and with my gun and my pink pillow. And I was just like, here I come. <laughs> um, land of oppressed women. Here I am. Literally. Um, and I... I was so excited, like just so excited. Um, when I got there, I remember arriving in Afghanistan and being like, holy shit. Yep. <laughs> I'm not all, as excited. Uh-huh. <laughs> can I go back? <laughs> so I took the picture. No. Can I go back? <laughs> no. <laughs> I've already told everyone. <laughs> like what in the world? What does, what does a day look like when you're deployed and like from the moment you wake up till you go to bed like what give us like an example of because to me with with all that's been happening in the world with Afghanistan and all of the political stuff that we've been seeing on the news right and I I think that for a minute my adult brain finally got to like register that I have all these questions of like whatever like when I saw the images of Afghani women handing their babies over to Marines. I just was like, wait a minute. What does, what are, what do the Marines really do over there? What are people doing day to day? Like what? Cause that's, I mean, that country must be horrific. There must be really horrible, horrible things going on within the country itself and then what you guys have to do every day as your job and witness. So like, what did that look like for you every day? What were, what did your day, what did you do? Um, I will say it's not like the movies. I mean, there's not crazy explosions and shooting and everything in between. There's definitely some boring days too, but, um, I think that it's like, you don't know what's happening until you see it. And so you're right. I think a lot of America is feeling the same way as you. Mm-hmm. They saw those videos of people clinging to airplanes Ugh. and mm-hmm. falling to their death. And it almost registered like, totally. oh my gosh, things are really bad there. Mm-hmm. Whereas people like us who went there were like, yeah, we told you. It's For years we've yeah. told you. Yeah, Very like bad. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, you hear about terrorists on the news or you think of September 11th or you read about it in books, but when you witness terrorism, you're there and you see these people, it's almost like you're in slow motion and your whole life is all like a lie because you, we grew up in America. We had ketchup. We had (laughs) salt and pepper. These are things that are not there. They don't have that there. Mm-hmm. I remember writing home to my sister and she was like, what do you want? And I was like, oh my gosh, Teddy Grahams. No. I don't even like those. <laughs> and she was like, okay, we'll send you Teddy Grahams. Right. And she sent me a bunch. 
And I told the story like later on when I came home years ago to someone and I was like, yeah, I always wanted Teddy Grahams. And they like gave me some for my birthday and I was so angry because I was like, these are gross. <gasps> no. <laughs> you're like, I don't But the it. thought is so nice. <laughs> and you're like, that was really kind, but oh, these are you're awful. Like, but I don't yes. want them now that I'm here. But I remember just being over there and being like, so what, what do you guys eat? Like, what do you guys have? Mm-hmm. And it's really not a lot, guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, but... I think what really rocked me to my core was seeing actual oppression of women. Yeah. Um, I could tell you about my terrible experience in the military and it, it doesn't invalidate that. That was really hard and still to this day eats away at me. Mm-hmm. But to see women who have to keep their faces covered at all times and if they don't, they will have their head cut off. <sighs> Or they are only meant for breeding. So they're treated like they're just pieces of furniture. They can be kicked and abused. And um, there's no rules against that. I mean, that's very much a normal life there. Um, To see a woman be carried away because she's been battered by her husband for disobeying. Mm And not be allowed to even show their face when I, or see their baby after they give birth. Um, just crazy. And is this like basically the whole country? Yeah, the parts I went to, but I'm, I mean, I feel confident speaking for all of them. But yes, this is a culture. This is the way things are there. Mm-hmm. And it's not just because of the Taliban or terrorism. That is an actual lifestyle yeah, that culture. people have chose. Wow. Um, but every day was kind of different. And then some days were the same. I do remember as well, I came in the summer and it got up to be 130 degrees. Wait, excuse me. I don't know. So you don't even sweat. You just like would take off your gear and there would be salt stains on your shirt. No, what? Like it evaporated. Because you're wearing like heavy stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're like, you're fully covered fully clothed and you would just be like did i lose five pounds like is this Mm -hmm. dieting (laughs) no (laughs) like am i just gonna be skinny um and yeah i just so hot you can't even sweat because it's it's done it's just it's a salt stain like that's white white rings all around yeah i don't even understand and you're outside around that all day oh and then you sleep in these little tin cans or like in your truck when you're on convoys. Mm. Um, and then they're like, oh, don't sleep on the ground because there's these giant spiders that will eat your face. Wait, <gasps> pardon me. <gasps> yeah, you guys. There Did you see them? Is a camel spider. Oh, no, no, no. And no, no, camels no. sleep on their bellies and <gasps> it comes up and it stings them with venom and then it eats out their guts while they're sleeping. A camel? Yes. I literally <laughs> am not okay. Same. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> a spider that can literally eat a camel from its insides out. I already like cannot even deal with spiders here. Uh uh-uh. uh. So when I was told that, no, I was I'm like, is going. this a joke? <laughs> I'm never <laughs> Once going. again, can I go home? <laughs> I did not sign up for this. I no, will truly. be shot at, but I will not take the spiders. <laughs> relatable very yes very relatable i think it's pretty reasonable <laughs> to say that i would rather have bombs go off than know about the spiders take me back to 10 minutes ago when i oh didn't know about gosh. them how can you compare it size-wise to like something like what how large like half your face no oh I'm and itchy. i'm itching i'm itchy you're itching you're itching your head <laughs> i can 
feel you like. don't want to like sleep in your truck because it's afghanistan there's no street lights okay so the stars are magnificent oh i bet i've never seen anything so beautiful in my life and that's saying a lot because afghanistan is not very beautiful okay but the stars were incredible, incredible. um and so you would want to sleep outside but then the spiders no, the spiders no. you can't so you're in your truck or you're in a tin can and that's like your options unless you want to really risk it. And some people did. Tell me what's a tin can. Mm-hmm. Like a little metal building. Okay. So think of the train cars. Um, you know, like the boxes on trains. Yeah. They make those into buildings. Oh, okay. Oh. Called ISO containers. So you would okay. like sleep in one of those. Super hot. I was just going to say yeah. that like this keeps heat in. Yes. Okay. And on the flip side in the winter, everything mm-hmm. freezes. And it's below freezing at all mm-hmm. times. And you can't fill your extremities. So there's just, there's no good season. No. no it really is the extremes. Yes. Well. In violence, in weather, in mm-hmm. people. Yeah. It's extreme. Yeah. So your days were long, long, hot. Well, during those. Yes. Right. And you're, are you, so you're, you're not seeing gruesome stuff 24 seven. No. You could isolate that to instances when you're on convoys. We call it outside the wire. So we built a base in Afghanistan, um, as I'm sure you know from the news. Mm-hmm. And so we're all on this base, and it's protected for the most part. And then you go outside the wire. And we would go on convoys. We would go do missions and um, you know, drop supplies to some of the frontline grunts, as we call them. Um and so when you're outside the wire, that's when the danger happens. Okay. And that's when you see, you know, some of the terrible things that you see. Um, but day-to-day on base is is pretty average. I mean, you're it's like being on base here with some exceptions. We were attacked um, one month, and that was pretty scary um, and a little bit more real. Mm-hmm. But other than that, you're eating chow doing your work, getting ready for the next mission, opening care packages, love and life when those come. Cute. And um, we do have Wi-Fi on base, so I would be able to, like, Skype my family. Okay. Okay. That's um, nice. When Skype it's was a thing. Every- yes. Skype was the thing. Mm-hmm. Yes. No FaceTime. Just no. Skype. Were you able to talk to Afghani women? Like, could you no. ever have, like, any interaction no. Or with the children. Could you like hug children? Like- you could hug children. Okay. You could. And we, um, so we would throw candy out to them from like the top of gunners turrets. Like all the people who were gunners, we would throw candy out to the kids um, or water. Um, and I, I remember writing home about it. And my mom got this idea, like she was going to send toys. And so she sent these toys, like little jacks with like balls and oh, jacks, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and the problem with that is, is they actually use them to make bombs to kill you. Oh, okay. So they're not your friends. I mean, we can be nice, but let's be honest. We're at war. Um, it's not a good place. And so a lot of times you'd see kids try to distract you and then Mm. they would come up to your truck and try and take things from it. I mean, this is like (gasps) poverty. Like they Mm. would take plastic canister covers and run off with them. Um, And so there was no way, absolutely no way I could give these toys to these kids. Yeah. And I remember opening the package and all the Marines around me were like, 
why did we get toys? <laughs> and I was like, my mom just meant, she meant well. Yes, the best intentions. So we played jacks for okay, like two okay. days. Um, okay. And then we threw them away. Okay. And I hope she never knows that. Yes. <laughs> no, truly. Hopefully she's not, not listening. listening. Uh-huh. Sorry, mom. Sorry. <laughs> you can't do that. Don't send toys to Afghanistan. Okay. You mean well, send food. Yes. Okay. Okay, very interesting. Nice. Yeah, I've wondered if you like can have relationships with the people there or if it's like too tricky cuz you're you're still protecting America. Yeah. And, and you don't too- know who's there to be your friend. Right. Um what while you were I mean in boot camp, did you feel like you felt like your mental health was slipping? Or do you feel like, like from being in in the military, or do you feel like it took you getting to Afghanistan. Afghanistan to be like, I don't know if I'm well, or did you ever feel that? What an interesting question. So I think that I always knew certain things were wrong. Um, and how, how can you be well in the military? I feel like you they- can't. Right. They spend millions of dollars to teach you how to kill someone, to teach you to watch people die, to teach you how to be okay with violence. Mm -hmm. And then you get out of the military, uh, or excuse me, you get home from Afghanistan. This is such a, such a really interesting way to put it. But when you get home from Afghanistan, you've just got home from war, Mm -hmm. truly. Um, and now instead of keeping your weapon on you at all times, which you're required to do now, we put those weapons back in the armory. Yeah. And so you safe. wake up in the middle of the night with a cold sweat, freaking out. Cause where's my gun? Scary. Um, cause so it's been, you, in would, a, you would sleep with your gun. Correct. Holding it. Yes. Really? Like cradling it, cuddling it. It became wow. an extension of your body. You cannot be anywhere without it. You would get in trouble. Really? If you didn't have it. And you knew your rifle number. You named your rifle. If you were a machine gunner, you knew your machine gun. You knew how many rounds you had at all times. You always had one in the chamber ready to go. And then you come home and we're going to put our rifles back. And now we're going to be back to normal life. Um, And we go through all this training. And I say all this training, but it's really just one week. Um, And they basically say, don't hit your wife. Don't hit your children. You are no longer at war, so those plastic bags on the side of the freeway are not bombs. Oh, They're just gosh. trash. Wow. And you cannot beat the shit out of anyone anymore. Mm-hmm. One week. That's all you get when you come One home. week. Yes. And that's not even real therapy. That's just, a, I'm going to tell you to just try to be normal. We all pile into an auditorium and they put on a screen about how it's not okay to kill people anymore. Okay. Wow. And how no one's trying to kill you anymore. So stop acting like they are. And, wow. you know, I would say we need, we definitely need more. And I'm sure we mm-hmm. probably wanted more, but we can't see our families until we have this training. Okay. So, so a lot of like, us are just like, okay, get it done with. Get yeah. us through this. Like we have wives and children and lives to get back to. And like, we haven't seen them in 10 months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, some of us didn't come back, and we still want to mourn the loss of our friends with their loved ones mm-hmm. and, like, go through that healing process. Um, so we get this one-week training, and it's almost comical to say that, like, 
We spend months and months and months and millions of dollars to train people how to kill someone. And then we give them one week to figure out how never to do it again. Literally. And it's really quite psycho. Really work. Yeah. Yeah. So were you, were you, you said a machine gunner. Is that, was that what you were? That like so that everyone kind of holds that title because you kind of do it when is asked of you but there okay. are people who were like specifically assigned to it um i was a gunner on a few convoys and then like some other people would be um there's people who were directly assigned to being like the front lead gunner one of them was my friend who passed away in afghanistan um and so but you have to have a specific training to do it, which most everyone does. Mm-hmm. The thing about being a Marine is you're all riflemen. So okay. you're all trained on multiple weapon systems and multiple guns, and you have to be able to operate it. Okay. So not to just like ask you to divulge gruesome stories, mm-hmm. but I mean, I'm assuming you witnessed really horrific things, right? Um things we probably can't fathom and what does I mean you even just saying they teach you to see a plastic bag and to not think it's a bomb so like when you get home are there lots of triggers are there just a lot of and and was that something you dealt with upon coming home and what what did that look like um, yes, I think we all have triggers and PTSD in some form or fashion, whether we want to admit it. And it, it looked a lot like normal life, just harder. It looked like I said, waking up in the middle of the night, freaking out because you don't have your gun on you. You don't have your rifle and being disoriented and wondering where you are. Um, it looked like waking up in the middle of the night and wondering like are people coming for you because we've been attacked before or the spiders you know Mm -hmm. that in itself is scary um or just worried like am I going home because there were a lot of times I didn't know if I would come home and now that I'm home what does that mean um and my friends who didn't come home why did they not come home and I did because those guys had families they had children they had wives and I didn't have anyone and so you look inwardly like I don't know what you believe in and I don't know your religion but like why would God let this happen Mm -hmm. um and really going through all these faith crises because you're like this doesn't make sense God is supposed to help people and there's so much bad in the world Mm -hmm. and I don't understand how he could let this happen. Um, Or it looks like being alone, even more isolated. I remember going home to visit my family and either people would take one of two stances. They would either ask me so many questions about Afghanistan Mm -hmm. and just be like, overly interested to the point where it's like I'm sick of talking about this or they didn't they were not comfortable talking to me at all Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. you could tell they danced around the subject and part of me is like I want to talk about it but like I want to talk about it my own way and how I'm going to process it I don't want it to be on your terms and I don't think anyone really understands that and so 
when I'd go home, I would find myself texting or calling my buddies from Afghanistan, yeah. like, hey, what are you doing? I don't want to be here anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could never tell my family that because no. they don't get it. Um, I also remember being in a car with my mom and dad, or my mom and dad, my sister, and my niece. Um, she was like, one or two years old and then my brothers and my little brother was going to mct he's going on a mission so we're dropping him off down south and um i was in the back seat and my niece just started screaming crying and it like triggered me instantly Mm. and i was like shut the kid up um and so i was like hyperventilating i felt like i couldn't get out of the car we're driving down this freeway and i was like I need to get out. I need to get out. I need to get out. I can't be here. And my sister was looking in the rear view mirror and she's like, you're scaring me. Stop it. And it's like, I can't stop it. No, it's yeah, all happening. No yeah. I'm going as fast as this car is at a million miles per minute. We finally stopped and I had to pull myself out of the car and it was like, I could breathe again. I could just, I just needed to get out of there. And I know that because I've seen little kids who have been beaten to a pulp by their dad in Afghanistan and they scream exactly the same way. Oh, so that's what triggered it. And my niece was screaming over probably a sucker or something stupid. But to me, all I could think about was that and how I had to, I had to get away. Um, and so it's like everyday life. Like I think a lot of people assume triggers and PTSD come from like, oh, we're going to talk about, you know, this trauma today and it's going to trigger someone. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not how I've experienced it. And that's not from what I can tell how it is. It's yeah. a plastic bag on a freeway. It's yes. it's the fireworks I was, that reminds you. Say- my neighbor, my cute little neighbor served in Vietnam and the entire month of July, he has to sleep in a separate room than his wife because it absolutely triggers him from his time that he served in the war and he will like hit her or like, you oh, know, wow. and so he has to sleep separately and she like locks him in his room during the month of July because heat fireworks are like such a huge so trigger sad. for him. That's so awful. Yeah, I I don't do fireworks. My family knows that. Um, my husband knows that. I stay far away from fireworks. Mm-hmm. And I stay far away from loud noises in general. Did you, like, is surviving in Afghanistan, I mean, I want to give you, I say that's a gold medal, right? Like, <laughs> I'm thinking, like, yes. that's incredible. How long were you there <laughs> in Afghanistan? So we were there 10 months. Okay. And, and and when you, when you come home, when you're done there, was that done? Like you were, you came back to the U S yeah. So you go through like, yeah, you, you eventually make it back to the U S but it's a series of flights because there's no, like, like Delta airlines does not fly into (laughs) Afghanistan. (laughs) So no, no, you have to take a commercial flight, Mm -hmm. which is hilarious because it's only us on the flight. And we have all of our guns lining the aisleway and the flight attendants are in their heels just like stepping over. I'm like, can I get you something else? And you're like, no, Um, (laughs) ma'am. And it's so funny. And then you go to, we went to Alaska and then we went to Kuwait. And when we're in Kuwait, the Air Force then goes and drops you into Afghanistan. 
So um, there's a series of things that take place to get you out of there as well. But yes, you come home to your base. Okay. And you can't go to like home home until you go through your training. Right. Okay. And did, are you, is it called a platoon? Is that like what your little like unit. family unit thing is there? Is that what it's called? A platoon? Yeah. So there's <laughs> your, your cute little family. <laughs> Just, you know, trying to put it in, like, I know our cute terms. Like, <laughs> you are very cute. <laughs> You're very cute. Um, I don't know if I call it cute. Uh, but I love that you do. You yes. keep calling them a unit. So, right? yes. Um, there's a unit. So I was in um, Combat Logistics Battalion 2. And a unit is usually hundreds. Oh, And oh. then... Um, within the unit, you have separate companies. And then, okay. like, I was in transportation support company. So, TS company. And then, com- um, company level, you have platoons. And platoons okay. are usually, like, 20 people. Okay. And then, within your um, platoon, you have squads. Um, and then, there's, like, a team leader type over your squad. Oh, and okay. each squad's, like, four or five people. Okay. So, so this there's is, this multiple details. Levels. Yeah. Yes. There's multiple levels of command. That's why when you hear military people say chain of command, it's it's very sacred. If I, I have to go to my team leader, who goes to my sergeant, who goes to my okay. staff sergeant, who goes to so on and so okay. forth. You would very never. Structured. Yeah. No. You would never just go to, like, your battalion um, or even your unit, like, first sergeant. Like, that would be so inappropriate. Okay. Um, okay. Interesting. Did everyone in your what did we call it when it's the four people put or is your squad your squad (laughs) are they all still alive today um yes except for one okay he so after afghanistan i actually got promoted um to a corporal which is an e4 um pretty big step for okay me um, and he was actually one of my Marines, um, and he, he had some demons, man. He had some stuff. So after Afghanistan, he ended up having a baby with a girl, um, and we thought it was really great, but it was not great, apparently. Okay. Um, I remember on November 5th. 2013 we had some marines going to the armory to clean their rifle and you have to do that pretty regularly you're supposed to keep up on your um, weapons and he was there and i remember sitting around some marines and he sent a text message that said onslow beach which is a beach on base by the ocean um i will see you all in hell oh my gosh and uh, you know, there's a lot of jokes about some pretty, pretty tasteless jokes in the military. We'll say that. Um, but that didn't feel like a joke. That felt like something bad, something very bad. I mean, I couldn't feel it in my stomach today. Mm-hmm. Um, and I immediately was like, where is, where is Bethel? That was his last name. And everyone was like, he's at the armory. And then a guy coming back said, he's not. He left, but he didn't return his rifle. And you're not supposed to bring your rifle to your personal vehicle. Um, So I immediately got in the car and I drove to Onslow Beach. It's a 30-minute drive. 
and the whole way there is going a hundred miles per hour. Um, and just cursing myself thinking like, this is not good. This is not good. Um, I was with two other people. We got there and his car was parked there with his last will on his front seat. And if there's any moment that I really felt like something was bad, it was then. Because at that moment, I'm like, something really bad is about to happen or has happened. So we just start screaming his name and going up and down the beach. And the terrible thing is there's children there. There's people there. It's public. It's it's a day like okay. people go to the beach and I'm screaming this Marine's name and I can't find him. Um, and then we kind of go over this little hill and there was a towel laid out. There was a phone next to him playing music. I remember the song. And there was eight pages of a suicide note. Mm-hmm. And then him sitting there with a rifle pressed underneath his chin and he pulled the trigger and there was so much blood so so much blood it was straight out of a movie um and i remember thinking oh my gosh i've seen people die but i've never seen someone kill themselves so you watched yeah and i remember thinking like I just, I, I like was frozen. Like it was like nothing registered and I didn't feel like I was sad or mad or happy or anything. I was just completely empty. And I was like, I got to figure out how to fix this. And so ran up to him. I mean, he's dead. Um, And then I go and I have to run out to the water to try and get service. There's no service. I got to call 911. I'm going through like survival steps, right? Like I'm compartmentalizing this moment because I don't have time to be sad. I need to fix it. Um, And that's my job. And so I called 911. I told them what happened. They send out NCIS. It's not like the TV show. Mm -hmm. It's just a bunch of people who are going to crime scene investigate. And then I just sat down on the beach and my unit showed up, you know, some of my, the other squad teams and like my platoon and everyone's crying and everyone's so concerned. They want to see the body because that's what people do. They get very, very curious. Um, and I just sat down on the beach and I didn't cry. Um, I was just waiting Um, and I kind of thought maybe if I woke up, it would be over, um, because there's so much time that goes into a crime scene, like hours and hours of work. And I had to sit there because I'd been there Mm -hmm. and then I had to talk to all these people. And then NCIS is like, you need to come back and talk to us again. So this went on for a total of like the whole day, probably 17 hours. Oh my gosh. And I felt like I needed to shower and like change my clothes and just start over. Um, but that wasn't even the hardest part. The hardest part was a few days later, we're all standing in formation. Um, and the thing about the military is I think we always need a point of failure. We can't just say something bad happened, right? Like even in war, like 
this is terrorists. They're, they're at fault for this. They're at fault for this. Um, and so in this instance, they needed someone to blame. Um, and they couldn't just write it off as a catastrophe, right? Like someone was struggling. He clearly wanted to take his own life. Um, but they wanted to nitpick. And so they brought the three of us forward and stood us at attention in front of everyone and said, this is your fault. Oh my goodness. You have failed your Marine as a leader. You, you should have done better. We all should have done better. Um, and at that moment I had an emotion. I had anger. I was very angry. I could feel my skin actually boiling. Um, I was so mad that he would do this to me. He would leave this earth and cause this mess for me to clean up and that I couldn't even mourn my friend because now I'm in trouble. It's your fault. Yeah. And I think I like now looking back, I think he meant well, probably in his own screwed Mm -hmm. up way to say that um he probably meant like we all should have been better friends we all need to be good yeah um but that's not the way it came across and so for the next 30 to 60 days i internalized all of that guilt i used it for rage i became probably an alcoholic by definition um i mean i had like a flask i was taking to work and Mm. um I was just mad. I was just so mad. And then I remember going through everything, right? Like that's what people do in a, in a situation like this. They think about everything leading up to it. Mm-hmm. I think about the week before when he seemed sad. Why didn't I talk to him? Yeah. Why didn't I check on him more? Why didn't I know he went and bought ammunition to do this two weeks prior? Why didn't I know that? And the real reality of it is, is who would know that? Mm-hmm. Um And then it actually helped to read his suicide note because in his suicide note, he said, you guys taught me all the signs of what to look for in someone who's suicidal. And I purposely did not show those because I wanted to carry this Mm. out. I didn't want to be stopped. I don't want anyone to feel guilty. I worked really hard to create this. Um, And then a few months later, at the beginning of 2014, I was like, I can't. I can't keep killing myself over this. I can't feel bad for myself. Um, And I just, I need to create something good from this. Something good needs to happen. Bethel would have wanted that. He's got a beautiful son and a woman he left behind. And there will be good things that come from this, even if it's such a negative thing. And so we we all kind of moved on, but um, I have since buried... 10 different friends from suicide what really and post afghanistan yeah you know it's crazy because everyone thinks that there's all these people dying in afghanistan but there's actually a lot more people dying here and it's because of trauma and because of Mm -hmm. all these issues that we keep inside of us and we don't talk about um that are destroying people what 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 have you done to yeah. navigate this being home? Like, what have been your... I mean, how have you not ended up... How has your family not had to bury you? I mean, like, truly, how 
Have you, do you have forms of therapy that you have ultimately loved that have changed your life? What, what have you done with your, I mean, post trauma from not only being a victim of rape, but also experiencing death in Af- yeah. death in Afghanistan. Um, what Seeing you saw, like things, yeah, like the people, the Afghani people do to their own people, and then suicide. And at what point after you got home did you end up getting help or trying to work through what you'd been through? Um, well, we're reflecting back. I think, um, I always had this mindset, like I thought I would die in the military. Mm. I think when I went to Afghanistan, I thought I was for sure going to die there. Really, And I don't know, like there's something honorable about that. Mm-hmm. Very. And so I could never tell like my family or friends that I think people would just be mortified. Yeah. You know, they would be like, oh my gosh, how could you ever feel that way? Or they would immediately be like, you need to be on antidepressants. You need to see a therapist. And no one really gets that unless you've served. Like Mm -hmm. I I can honestly say, I'm sure you guys probably just don't get it. No, Um, absolutely not. (laughs) And so I think for me, um, the biggest thing that really helped me was coming to the realization that I was strong, like as silly as that sounds, but I am, I'm super tough. I'm very resilient. I pride myself on my resiliency. There's so many things I've been through as a child and in my teenage years from molestation to like my boyfriend who used to beat me up and throw me out of cars and drugs and addiction and everything in between. Um, I just, I really took the, the low, the road far more traveled, um, and really came in with a bang. Um, and so I've always proud my, or been proud of myself for my resiliency, like my ability to bounce back. And I didn't want my story to end with something selfish. Um, and I don't say that to demean, you know, suicide or anyone who's been a victim to that type of thought. But I, I say it because I there's so much more to live for. Like I said, there's so much more to me than the bad things that have happened to me. I have really good stuff. Um, after the military, when I got out, I moved to a new city I'd never been to. I made new friends. I started a, a badass career. Um, I crushed it and I found a therapist who really, really took notice of the way that I use my pain for strength. Mm -hmm. And instead of, you know, telling me that I had to not do that, I feel like sometimes therapists are like, let's, let's unpack that. Let's talk about that. He was like, no, let's, let's use it. Let's make you a force to be reckoned with and help me grow, um, the craziest therapy I've ever been through was EMDR. Um, so EMDR was introduced to me when I first moved back to Utah. It was a way to help with the sexual trauma. Um, I talked about it with my therapist and she was like, I think you will really benefit from this. Um, try it out. And EMDR basically is like hypnosis. Mm -hmm. I don't know if people are familiar with it. 
Um, but it's to recall memories you probably suppressed or compartmentalized. And one of them being um, the sexual trauma as well as certain instances in the military. So she brought me in and it was three and a half hours. Oh, okay. wow. Three and a half hours. Um, so clear your schedule if you do it. <laughs> I did not know that. Make it a day. Um, and I'm not a crier. I just, I, I never have been. Um, but I remember going in there and going through this and I just said stuff I couldn't even imagine I was saying. And afterwards, I felt like I'd lied. I was like, no. I just told you things. And I'm like, I'm not even sure they're true. Like, I don't know how those came out of my mouth. And I'm like, I feel like I'm having an outer body experience. Like, it's all coming out. I'm so stressed out. And then I just like sobbed for like an hour straight and kept it kept coming like word wow. vomit just pouring out of me. And she was like, this is great stuff. Just writing it down and like going through it. And I was just like, what is happening? This is straight out of a movie. Um, and it, it was so good, though, because afterwards I remember leaving there thinking like, oh, my gosh, I'm literally 10 pounds lighter. Yes. Like oh, so many things yes. just came out of me like demons, straight up demons. Yeah. And I don't have to carry those around anymore. And life is so good. Um, and it was, it was incredible. Like I cannot say good, enough good things wow, about EMDR. We want to have someone on that's a EMDR yeah. specialist. Um, cause we, I know, I personally know quite a few of my clients have done it for trauma. Yeah. And they're like, it's the most twisted thing ever because like you have to recall these events that hurt you, right? And so you kind of are almost like mad at your therapist. You're like, why are you making me do this? Like, this right. is so painful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then like you end up Cathartic, not even yeah. literally remembering that it even happened after. Like it rewires your brain. And I don't know the science behind it, but I want someone to teach us it. But like, I mean, it's, I have some clients who've used it for PTSD yeah. and like they cannot recall some of the things that they witnessed anymore because of the way it's rewired their brain the therapy has yeah and that's kind of what I used it for because there are certain things that I saw that I I mean I'm sure if I tried really hard I could tell you about them mm-hmm. but that's the beauty of it is I don't have to remember them yes. I don't have to wake up every night in a cold sweat thinking about some of those terrible things mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about not being able to be intimate with my partner because of some of the trauma of you know that sexual assault and I've never told anyone about that besides her so that's my first time sharing that so big it's huge so big and I feel like I honestly could not tell you about that before EMDR I could not talk about it Mm -hmm. and I refused and now like I can talk about it and it's almost like matter of fact mm-hmm. like this like it happened happened mm-hmm. and that's it and kind it's of over. like at a surface level like you're not it doesn't like open up the wounds anymore like yeah the, yeah, the like I, I almost I mean I still feel something and I think naturally of it's course. a hard event to talk about but um I don't feel as vulnerable about it I don't feel as you know attached to it and I, I feel very, very clean and very open because a lot for a long time, I had a, I had a huge problem with intimacy. Um, I, and intimacy to me is not just sex. I Mm -hmm. mean, it's, it's a whole slew of things and being with a partner and trying to be intimate, trying to be open and vulnerable was hard because 
I couldn't talk about that stuff. I just couldn't. Um, but I did it through the VA and the VA really puts an emphasis now. I think they've gotten a lot better about mental health Mm -hmm. over the years. We've learned our lesson and, um, you know, the statistic is one in 22 a day commit suicide. So, uh, they really put an emphasis on taking care of yourself, your wellness, your overall well being, Mm -hmm. And, um, they all recommended EMDR and ketamine therapy. And I chose EMDR to start and I was so happy with my results. How Um, long did you do with the EMDR therapy for? I've done it three times um, and I want to do it again. I think there's still some things that I could work on naturally. Mm -hmm. Um, But they recommend a series. You can't just do just one. Okay. Um, And so I did three and the first one was three and a half hours. The second one was two hours. And then the third one was three hours as well. So it's definitely a very long process, but it it's an outer body experience. It's mm-hmm. like hypnosis. Really, yeah. really incredible. Like you will not even understand what just happened to you. Would you recommend it for people that have specifically gone through sexual trauma? Or p- even any type of PTSD? Yeah, PTSD in, in general. general. Do you feel like that's safe to say that you feel like that's such a big strong recommendation for people listening right now who might have dealt with something like that to try yeah I mean absolutely I think I would hate to give one size fits all advice to anyone because I think that we're all so different Mm -hmm. um and again everyone's situation especially with sexual assault or trauma is very different Mm -hmm. but for me it was the best thing um I spent 22 years in therapy and felt like I got almost nothing out of it sometimes. Really? Talk um, therapy? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. just talk therapy, in inpatient therapy. Mm-hmm. This was like the one thing that I was like, oh my gosh, this was mm-hmm. wild. Mm-hmm. Like this was like Changed you. straight up a cha- life-changing experience. Mm-hmm. And I know for some people talk therapy really does work though. Like I know for some people, I have family members who are like, swear by it so if that works for you great but if you have dealt with something that is just so deep rooted in your soul and you need to get it out you're not going to by yourself you have to have something like this that is going to almost take it out for you and that is emdr someone is reaching inside of you and making that information come out because even how as far as you want to talk about it. If you just want to tell you something bad happened to me, you won't. You have to use something like this that's going to make it happen. I feel like you have taken a lot of your experiences and channeled them into something positive. How do you feel like you're able to do that when some of these things have been so extreme and so hard? Because don't you feel like people use their trauma to justify their bad behavior. I mean, I feel like we hear that all the time. Yes, I do. I think people use their trauma to justify shitty behavior. Mm -hmm. I think that happens all the time. Um, If you listen to true crime podcasts, you'll hear, you know, serial killer Ted Bundy had a terrible life growing up or um, John Wayne Gacy, you know, he was teased for being gay and, Though I can sympathize with those people, I can't sympathize with someone who actively goes out and kills another person Mm -hmm. um, for play. So I think the same thing can be said for here. Um, And I 
I see it a lot with sometimes women, actually. Women are like, oh, I've been cheated on so much, so that gives me the right to be mean to these men I date. And that bothers me a lot. Um, because there, there is ways for you to get help. There are ways for you to correct that behavior. Um, no one is invalidating the fact that something bad happened to you, but we're not going to allow you to then, you know, exert those, like those insecurities on others or treat people bad. That makes you no better than the person who did that to you. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I actively choose good. Uh, I get asked all the time, I mean, by multiple people who hear even a little bit of my story about the time in the military, et cetera. And they're like, wow, you would never guess. Like you would yeah, never guess. I can say that. I, would, I never would have known. This is my first time hearing your story and I would never know. Mm -hmm. And it, well, thank you. Cause that's something I work really hard at. Um, I choose positivity. I choose goodness in the world and I know that there's so much more to my life than any of these experiences. I mean, I have an amazing husband. I'm a wife. I'm a daughter. I'm a sister. I'm an aunt. I'm a friend. I have really wonderful people in my life who just build me up. Mm -hmm. And I don't need to sit and wallow in some of these things like self-pity. Um, I think that... I measure life in the good over the bad. Um, and I choose to do that because it helps me through some of the pain. Mm -hmm. It would be really easy to sit and think about how terrible it is that my friends have committed suicide or the awful things I saw in Afghanistan or how I'm just absolutely terrified of intimacy with some people. Cause I think they're all going to leave me for nothing. Um, but it's really something worth living to have goodness, you know, to go out and put yourself out there and to be happy. That's the hard part is to just stay happy. It's easy to be sad. It's easy to think about bad things, but um, to actually apply yourself and be a good human is where, you know, life really starts, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. That was beautiful. I, so I've known you for a little while and I personally can say that when I met you, because I kind of got to know you just like as a as a person, as you, as Leah, as <laughs> Leah here, before I finally like got to chip away at like during every every hair appointment I have with you, I'm always like, wait a minute, <laughs> I have to like sit down on at the end of the night and be like. I've stressed you out. Is she, <laughs> is she a real human being? Because you have, I would never, you, first of all, you're very successful. When I first met you, I like the first thing we, I mean, we like talked about careers and stuff and like, you've always had a, a phenomenal career. You've done very well for yourself. You've always been able to take care of yourself, like by yourself. Um, and you've always seemed happy though like that's something that always stood out to me when I've been around you is you're happy you never come and you're like a downer some people like suck energy and you've never been that but then I've learned all of this stuff that you've been through which is much more than I mm -hmm, have ever mm -hmm. been through um 
and trauma wise. And you, you still are so much happier than like, I just expect you to be sad (laughs) or to have issues or to not be able to have a successful marriage. Like, I mean, that's just me being real. Like I, I look at you and I'm like, Oh, she, she's going to be messed up the rest of her life. But that's just me being human and thinking, because I know what you've gone through. I like, I just assume that. And you've not, none of that is true. What those thoughts, those like natural thoughts I've had about you. And it's really incredible that you have chosen a different route. And I really admire all of that. Um, and I'm, I, besides getting therapy and choosing good every day. I mean, are there things in your day-to-day life that you do that help you choose, help you be, choose happiness? And like, I mean, do you feel like it's, it's a matter of keeping yourself busy? Is it trying new things? Like what, I mean, how do you not let all of this trauma consume you every day? Well, thank you. First of all, (laughs) You're welcome. Um, I am so happy to hear that you see happiness in me because it is important to me to be happy. But um, we all we all have bad things that have happened to us. It's not really about the things that have happened to us that define us. It's how we move forward from them that mm-hmm. really matter. Um, and I just choose to sit in my emotions sometimes. Uh, I still have bad days mm-hmm. for sure. Um, and it's definitely not all sunshine and rainbows over here. Um, there's been, you know, little moments that I catch myself slipping or I feel sorry for myself and I have to kind of snap out of it. But, um, I'm, I'm an adrenaline drunkie, so Mm -hmm. I do crazy things. (laughs) And like I said, I'm all in or I'm all out. There's I mean, no hence, the, hence the pink pillowcase and your gun. And you <laughs> yes. were stoked about being in Afghanistan. Yes, like Clearly. selfie. Right. <laughs> Please tell everyone I'm going. Um, yes, that is so me. I am like, let's go out shooting guns over the weekend and do drills. Let's go bungee jumping. Let's go. I went skydiving and afterwards I was like, let's do it again. No. And like, I'm, I'm all in. I want to do all the things. I feel like there's so much life to live. I want to do it all. Um, I have, I don't know. I just, I do all the things like anything. Nothing's off limits to me really. Um, someone will tell me like, I want to host this party or go to do this or I want to travel here. And I'm like, let's go. Like I will yeah. book my ticket right now. This is not. You're a like drill. you're a yes girl. Like, I'm a you're yes always girl. like. Yes. Then let's Amazing. do it. Let's buy it. Let's take the yes. drive. Let's do it. Life is way too short, and I worked way too hard to get to where I am. I I pride myself on being successful in my career as well, um, because I didn't grow up with a lot of things. I didn't grow up with a silver spoon in my mouth. Sometimes there wasn't even a spoon to have. And so now I'm like, let's spend the money. Let's do the cool things. Mm-hmm. My husband's like, the the other day, he's like, um, we're going to Europe in a few weeks. And um, he's like, well, let's go here too. And I was like, all right, I'll book the ticket right now. <laughs> and he's like, wait, hold on. Let's talk about it. He's and like, I'm like, wait, okay. no, it's done. We're going to Barcelona. Bought it. It's happening. We're going. And then we're doing this. And... <laughs> Like we even vacation. He's like, where do you want a vacation? And everyone's like, let's go on a cruise. And I'm like, let's go to India. 
And then let's go to the Great Wall of China. Oh, I need an African safari in there. Like bring the danger. I want to get get freaky. Like let's get weird. Um, so so you almost. I mean, I feel like through your trials, you've learned to just live more fully. It kind of just sounds like like let's just why why wait till tomorrow to enjoy something? Like let's just enjoy it now. Is that kind of safe to say? That's a little bit how you've just to enjoy life. Like let's just live live yes live and love and be happy i think that like life can end tomorrow um and as cliche as that sounds truly um and i i'm on a mission to like experience it the best i can and also i've had so many near-death experiences now in my life um and crazy things that have happened to me and just terrible things that i'm like well, I could be hit by a bus tomorrow. You know, nothing's yeah. off the table yes. here. Yes. Yes. At this point, let's let's do it. And I am lucky I found a good partner in my life. Um, just the sweetest, sweetest husband in the world who is like on board with that. Just yeah. supportive. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm not ordinary in a lot of ways, you know. I think I've even told you this, Nick. Um, but I don't need to like get married and have kids and do all these things but I'd like to, I just need to go out and like be happy. Like I'm on the pursuit of happiness. Um, you guys had an episode on success mm-hmm. and I, I wrote in about that. You, did, you we, were the special yes. person that we read your beautiful passage. Yes. We read, we really read it and we we're like, mm, we're just going to insert that. That sums it up. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that's the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel that way. I think success is honestly just being happy and like mm-hmm. finding your happy in the world. And that's, that's something I like, I'm always in search of. It's a journey and I, I want to be happy. I want to like see good in all things. And, um, I, I don't think I'm like naive. I think I've definitely been around the block enough to know, the danger signs and that, but, um, for the most part, I believe in all the good. I'm choosing happiness now. Like do what makes you happy right now. Yes. I really like, this is the most stupid, like little correlation (laughs) that I, that popped into my head, but you know, we're all about cute things here. Mm -hmm. Trying to make things cute. cute. (laughs) But I was just thinking like, because you are a like, yes, let's do it now. Like, why would we save the happiness for later? Like, let's do it this second. I do something that's the weirdest thing. Oh, I will no. pick, I like, I have like outfits in my brain that I like love in my closet that okay. I'm like, I feel so hot in that outfit. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm going to wait till Saturday to wear it. Same. And, and that outfit makes me so happy. So I'm going to wait to feel that good and sexy and happy on Saturday for a few days later and I'll make sure I wear the one the outfits today that like don't do that mm-hmm. for me but Saturday's the day I, I can feel happy mm-hmm. and I just like clicked in my brain mm-hmm. even though that's the weirdest correlation but I'm like why don't wear I wear today? that damn outfit every day and feel happy every day and Girl, sexy wear it yes. right now go and put it on go put it on and wear <laughs> it two days in a row yes because we, we don't it. care if but we like, outfits two days in a row. No, mm-hmm. no. No, we're all for that. But that's, I mean, in a very different term. <laughs> very. Like, because I feel mm-hmm. like you're the girl that would probably just wear the freaking outfit that made you feel hot that day. Because you're like. I so would. I'm <laughs> going to feel hot today. I'm going to be happy today. 
I do that all the time. <laughs> like even just in my house. Just her every day. Yes. She's just every day wearing the hot outfit. Like I wore this shirt today because I was like, this is really hot. It is very like, hot. I was going to tell you after. Your boobies are like, they, yeah, you look I'm great. sorry. I keep glancing. I Same. Please do. I wore it on purpose. <laughs> she takes her sweatshirt off yes, she's like, just for us off. during the whole podcast. So we she's stare like, at her I boobs. I did feel really good while I did this. I did. It was, I think there's like so many things you can do to feel confident though. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah. Yes. Small things like that make you happy. I told someone today um, that whenever I'm having like a difficult conversation with an employee or something, I stand like Wonder Woman does. Wait, no. Like, oh. In a power yes. stance. No, you Both don't. And I'm like, it makes me feel powerful. And then I think I'm like, I'm really dominating and yes. like, yes, you are. I'm Wonder yes. Woman. You are. And, and someone was hot. like, uh-huh. yeah, you are. Like, I was standing there like that. And she's like, yeah, you're very, like, empowering right now. And I was just like, yeah, I am. You're like, I feel that for myself, actually. So, mm-hmm. true. Things, That's a great things. takeaway. I love that. Well, we're yeah. so grateful that you're sh- you've shared so grateful. your story with us. Do you feel like people like do you does this help sharing your story like do you or is it harder do you suggest that people who have gone through something and maybe have never spoken about it ever should try into a safe space because you even said that parts of this story are are, it's your first time sharing parts of it correct Mm -hmm. yeah it was a lot of it Mm -hmm. um I think everyone should do what's most comfortable, but there is something beautiful in the uncomfortable and embracing the scary. I, when you guys asked me to do this, I was excited, but very, very concerned. I was like, this could be. This always happens to us. Yes. Awful. Like this could be the worst experience. It could ruin our friendship. I was like, this could be so bad. And I actually like sweat um, physically. Also normal. The Flourish podcast. It's very normal. We sweat a lot. We're dripping. It's what happens here. Mm -hmm. I am sweating now. So same. My pits Uh are sweaty. I'm wearing a sweatshirt. (laughs) You should have worn a cute tank top that shows your baby. Yes. You should have. Yes. So yes, I think you should. I think everyone should share. No one, nothing should be off limits. Um, I'm in, I'm in human resources, so I'm in this like taboo department and I kind of pride myself on being the cool HR lady, Mm -hmm. um, the sassy tattooed HR lady Yes, that I'm breaking down barriers, like, sorry, boomer, but we're all going to have colored hair, tattoos Uh and piercings Uh and it's going to be rad. Uh Um, but one thing I really pride myself on is like, no discussion is off limits Mm -hmm. in the workplace. I'm sorry that makes you uncomfortable, but it probably makes that person uncomfortable to have to deal with their sexual trauma. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry it makes you uncomfortable to hear about the fact that a woman's body menstruates, but it happens every goddamn month. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To uh, mm-hmm. almost every woman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So nothing is off limits. And if someone tells you it is, they're insecure mm-hmm. and that's dumb. Find new friends. <laughs> Go I'm work somewhere else. We're hiring. Call me. I'm so, I'm so happy. 
we will find you a new spot. I do. Yes. I have friends all the time who come to me and they're like, I need a new job because I'm in a toxic situation. I'm like, bet I got you. <laughs> so, but you should talk about things and you should frequently, like everything should be on the table, lay it out there, feel the uncomfortable, embrace it. If there's any advice I can give to you, it's feel every fucking emotion. Yeah. Feel it. Live in it. Breathe in it. It is the only way you will heal. I don't care what anyone says. And like I said, you can all have your own one one different size fits all kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You can have your different therapies, but you have to feel emotion. No good mm-hmm. has ever come from bottling it up. Mm-hmm. Anyone can tell you that. Yeah. We all have had some situation where we've kept it inside. Um, and so talk about it. Even if you write, um, I have a lot of friends who are bloggers beautiful Mm -hmm. love that there are people who use it in their instagram posts they use instagram to just let things out and we often make fun of people for that right like Mm -hmm. oh my gosh she just posted a half naked picture and then talked about how loving herself well shame on all of you because maybe that's what she needed yeah Mm -hmm. um it's not who i am but it's who some people are yeah and if you're talking about at work cool you can't be fired for that if you are call me (laughs) Um, just so many DMs you're about to have. No, really. <laughs> right? <laughs> really. Uh, but, but I I do think that there's beauty in talking about things. And even if it starts small with, you know, something bad happened to me. I don't want to talk about it, but I want you to know something bad happened to me. Okay, well, I'm a safe space. Mm-hmm. Whenever you're ready, I'll be here. And my husband does that to me. He's always like, if you're not ready to talk about something, that's okay. I'm just here. And you let me know. Oh, and we love him. We, yeah, that's amazing. <sighs> truly, that's best. really sometimes that's all you need too. It's true. Yeah. yeah. I when we did um, Whitney's podcast a few weeks ago, and the like inpour of how many people related. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it was to her right relatability, and I, I, it's it like really ran through my head the last mm-hmm. few weeks about how sharing your story there it it makes you more relatable mm-hmm. like more understood and helps everyone else feel less alone and yeah. i think that that's a lot of the reason why we started this podcast mm-hmm. completely was to create that feeling of not feeling so alone that like mm-hmm. we can you're you're so much more can, you can connect more with people when you don't seem like this perfect person anymore. Yeah. And when like someone can say that happened to me too. Yeah. And then it not only allows them to feel like they can relate to you more, but then it can help them heal Yeah, to yeah. know that there's someone else that went through it. So I think that, yes, like you, I don't feel like everyone should feel forced to talk about their trauma openly mm-hmm. on Instagram or, or anywhere to anyone, but knowing that like, cause I know there's so many people that will listen to the, oh that's gosh, listening yeah. right now that is like sobbing in their car mm-hmm. and is like, oh my gosh, someone gets me. Yeah. And yeah. like, there's how no better feeling. wonderful <laughs> does no that feel feeling. to just know that like someone is just as human as you are and like, you're no longer alone, even if you don't you'll never meet that person like just you sharing the story is making someone feel and then we have such a freaking beautiful Mm. world where we can message someone on instagram and become 
Instagram friends, like someone could message you and be like, you just helped me through this. Yes. Now I want to be your, can we like talk through this? And you can be there for someone. Totally. And I just love it. I think that's like, yeah. When someone's read, if you're, if you're out there and you have not shared your, your trauma with out loud to anyone or you're not ready yet, like when you get there, it's so mm-hmm. freeing, freeing and worth it whenever you're ready. And there's, there will always be someone mm-hmm. who can relate to you or understand you, even mm-hmm. if you don't know them, mm-hmm. there will always be someone. And it, I have even found it in listening to like a po- like a different podcast totally. where I'm like, I have these feelings, but no one I know has these same mm-hmm. feelings as me. No one gets it. Mm-hmm. And then you listen. I literally listened to a podcast and I like had to stop dead in my tracks because I heard the person, I mean, it was Glennon Doyle. Well, so she <laughs> is everything. Yes. <laughs> but I stopped dead in my tracks and rewound it about 10 times and reheard mm-hmm. it because I was like, oh my gosh, S- this person felt seen. Yes, sees me, gets me, understands me. And I was thrilled. And I, I mean, I hope I meet Glennon Doyle one day. That's <laughs> me on, too. on my bucket Same. list. But like, I will probably never meet her. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, oh my gosh, I love her for saying what she said out loud, which was her own personal mm-hmm. trauma or like experience or feelings. And I was like, yep, I get you. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> I see you 1 million percent. And then mm-hmm. I felt better. <laughs> you do. You instantly yes, feel better. I did. I was like, okay, great. My day was made. Mm-hmm. Now I feel better. Yeah. I think you also spend all this time when you do experiencing these bad things. Like you spend all this time um, not talking about it because you don't want to make people, you know, mm-hmm. feel weird. Right. Mm-hmm. So you spend all this time making sure everyone around you feels comfortable only to realize you're the uncomfortable one. 100%. I love that. Say it again. Wow. Say wow. Again. That was. <laughs> Remember that time when I said someone says something and then you feel seen or heard? That was it. I hear you. Goosebumps. Mm-hmm. That's, but that's it. Right. Like we're so worried about everyone else that we forget that we matter And I think that was me in that instance, right? Like I never came forward because I didn't want everyone else around me to be affected by this. Mm -hmm. And I forgot about myself. The most important part. Mm -hmm. And that's, if there's anyone out there who is listening, I hope you know that not only do you matter, but your experience is important. It may not be the craziest hell in the world. And I think a lot Mm -hmm. of times we get caught up in comparing our traumas Mm -hmm. like, Oh, I haven't been through as much as you, you know, I I often think of like Elizabeth smart. If you guys know that story, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's like, what a crazy story. Mm-hmm. And that poor woman. She's incredible. I, yes. And I've read her book and I, I just want to meet her one day and like hug her. Um, And, but like, that doesn't, you know, minimize my trauma. And that doesn't make no. me any less because mm-hmm. I wasn't on national news and missing for all this time. No. Um, And so for anyone who's listening, like your story is worthy of every podcast and every book and every newscast and no matter what you think you your story is a big deal and it deserves to be told and it deserves to be heard and validated and you deserve that um so don't ever think otherwise love that yeah thank you so much for sharing your story with us and for doing this and i know affecting so many people's lives it's Mm -hmm. really an amazing story and we only heard parts yeah. of it also thank you for serving our country yeah i don't know if i've ever to, thanked you to as my friend least, even. Yes, thank you <laughs> thank Honestly. you 
I'm Does that ever so get brief. old? Like someone thanking you? Is that like a very corny thing? Kind of. There's my favorite, um, Kyle Carpenter. He's a Purple Heart and Medal of Honor um, award uh, recipient. He was, he stepped on, or he jumped on a grenade to save people. Incredible story. If you wow. ever read his book, he's still alive. I follow him on Instagram. Um, crazy cool guy. His uh, Instagram name is uh, Chicks Dig Scars because he's full of scarves. Yes. Um, <laughs> but he wrote a book and he said, anytime someone says, thank you for your service, he always says, you're worth it. And so Wait. I've always adopted what? that. And whenever someone thanks me, I'm like, no, thank you. You're worth it. And oh, that's the cutest thing I've ever heard. Right? I'm like, no, you're worth it. And people actually like stop. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm stopped. Yes. And they're like, what? <laughs> Am I? And I'm like, no, you. You are. And that's what I think about serving our country is like, I did this for a reason. I'm, I'm very patriotic. I'm proud of that. Um, but it was for people who I care about and I love. And so you're all worth it. Well, Jules, do you want to ask her our, our well, question? We ask everyone. We do. That's I, cringy. Yeah. We ask, <laughs> we ask all of our podcast guests that come on here a little bit of an uncomfy question, but it is what makes you unique? or special or stand out from your experiences or in your life in this world like mm-hmm. why are you I can tell you the coolest you I mean I yeah can we, could, we could tell you but you have to tell right. us why you think you're so unique and special in this world wow I just shared a lot and this is the most pressure I've been under I feel a lot of pressure um I'd rather talk about everything else now you're like can I get back to you in a week <laughs> So, oh my gosh, I think what makes me special is me. I, it's just me. I'm unique in myself. Um, no one has the same story as me. No one, though they can probably relate, and I, I do love that. Um, I'm very unique. There's a lot of things that have happened, but um, I am so freaking strong. Mm-hmm. I am. I really, really, really love that about myself. I love that no matter what, I still stand up and I do the right things when I need to. Um, my brother says I have a like, don't give an F attitude. Uh-huh. And I do. Uh-huh. Like I do. It's all in or nothing. Okay. Yes, you do. Always. Um, and so I'm unique in that. that that's the way I'm going to live my life. I'm going to go all in. I do that and everything. I married my husband after only knowing him for a few months, but I knew and Mm -hmm. I just did it. Um, and you know, if I want a new job, I just go get one. Mm -hmm. Um, if I want to change my career and become a firefighter, I do. Mm -hmm. If I want to go back to being something else, I do. And I just, I, I go head first into everything. I've gotten multiple degrees that way. I just, I just do it. And that is special. That sounds, that sounds very not special, but it is. No, No, it's it's, very special. It sounds completely special. (laughs) Yes. But I want to know what you think is unique about me now. (laughs) Because now I'm intrigued. Okay, I'll go first. Well, literally while you were explaining that you're just your entire positivity attitude and how you choose happiness every day, I was thinking to myself that I was going to say we actually don't even need to ask her the what no, makes you special or unique truly. question because the entire time you were explaining your answer I was like well that's it 
Like that is, I think that is a unique <laughs> no, quality truly. to people. Cause I don't think that everyone wakes up every day and chooses that or like Mm-mm. decides to be ha- like, wake up and be happy every day, even like Mm-mm. when you've been through so many things. And I think that that is what makes you really special and really unique um, among a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. It's a really beautiful quality. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I lightly mentioned this earlier, but I think the most unique and special thing about you is that I, you know how there's some people where you have to learn their, you don't really love them, like them. Okay. Where are we going with this? This, should I just this go put on my outfit yeah. upstairs instead? Yeah, I think we should, no. we should have ended with my, mine was good. Yeah, maybe mine we should go. <laughs> no, but like you meet people and you're like, oh, I don't really know if I like them. And then you hear their story and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I love them. I want to cool. be your friend. Mm-hmm. I just feel, and like, and then sometimes you're like, well, that under, now I understand why they were like kind of, they're kind of a grumpy person and that's why they act this way and yeah I just would have like upon meeting you and like still meeting getting to know you as a friend like I just I didn't need your story to love you Mm. I but like you were you are so special just like the energy you have about life is very special um and you're like it's very nice you're always inspiring to be around like I feel like you have helped me in the mentality of like if you don't like your job get a new job like I like those like things Mm -hmm. how you're just it's kind of matter of fact for you yeah you're kind of like you're always like well girlfriend don't do that like you that's just like the way you talk you're always like well that doesn't make you happy don't do it or like don't hang out with her anymore if she's mean it's just like simple for you and I I love that that's you've just always felt uplifting to be around and then I heard your story and then I'm like oh my gosh mind is blown mm-hmm. so anyway I think that's what makes you so unique it's just you're like exuberance for life you know like you're just I'm high on life oh you are <laughs> you are you'll like sit down at a hair appointment and tell me everything that you have to do that day like four hours of cycling oh and then on top of your I'm other sorry. job and then like weightlifting and then like prepping all the food and then you, you haven't seen your husband in four days and your dogs need to go to the babysitter and blah 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 and I'm like sweating while you're telling me and I'm almost like should we sit down and then <laughs> and then you're like anyway but I'm doing so great how are you doing and you're just like back at like being happy again and I'm like but wait we didn't even realize are you okay <laughs> you're always just good and I love that like you said you choose good so I'm glad you guys think that's so. what we feel that's what about we think. you. You know, no one's ever no one's ever made out. Us yeah, no one's ever. No one's what ever if we could not say anything about Stop. it? Stop. <laughs> could we could we could. would we always yeah. would genuinely yes. love everyone yes. who's been on here. Yes. Well, thank you so much. Yes, thank you. Thank you. We love you so much, and we're going to be. Sh- is it okay if we share your Instagram handle in our podcast notes? Yeah. Okay. okay. For it. Okay. Let's, let's see what the world takes. Let's all be right. friends. Yay! Yes. <laughs> right. Thank Kay. you so much. Love you. Thank you. <laughs>